We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I know it's ironic, but I live up in Blaine and I'm pretty sure Paul Douglas is personally responsible for the lack of snow. I can't prove it, but I heard it on Facebook. What's Paul hiding? My malfunctioning Doppler radar is responsible for our stunted, delayed spring. I want to apologize to you, Jordana, to you, DJ, to our listeners. I think it's my Doppler malfunctioning that is responsible for this lack of degrees, the snow squalls, perpetual February. I'm as disgusted as everybody else. I I like winter. I'm pro-snow. But by the latter half of April, no thank you. Let's let's get into spring. Let's savor all four seasons. It's coming, Are you just Jordan. trying to get back on our good graces by promising 80 next Saturday? I'm Well, that's what the European is saying, and I'm going to go with right. it until proven I'm, otherwise. But, um, that gives me hope. It, yeah, it, the European is saying 83 degrees next Saturday, the 23rd. Yes. Am I buying that in entirety? No, but the trends are pretty consistent, and the European has been uh, hanging in there with at least 70s starting Friday of next week. So, man, uh, we need this warm front bad. So I hope Well, it's I'm right. looking forward to it. And I, you know, as disgusted as I was, the snow has stopped outside my window, and there's almost like the sun wants to come out. So, like, I'm feeling hopeful. Hearing the forecast, looking at that sun that sort of wants to break through the grayness. So uh, today is a good day. So happy Thursday to everybody and uh, to you guys. We have a packed show today. We are going to talk with... Um, um, Harry Kaznisis, the senior director at the National Center um, for, excuse me, the Center for National Interest. It's a think tank. We're going to talk with him about Ukraine. We're going to talk with a fellow in the business, uh, fellow for the business in a digital world um, expert to talk about technology and bias. Yeah, it's not just us. Technology can be biased also. Maybe your Facebook algorithm is feeding you something. If you're trying to be anti-racist or trying to be one thing, maybe it's feeding you something else. So uh, we are going to talk about what we may be getting fed and how to stop it. So that is coming up in this first hour. But oh, And also Elon Musk and Twitter. Why would he want to buy Twitter? Um, I don't know. <laughs> would you want to buy Twitter? Because, hey, look, he's brilliant, obviously <laughs> a genius, probably has an IQ well over 200, but I also sense he's a bit of an egomaniac, 
And a narcissist, he's worth hundreds of billions of dollars. You know, $43 billion for Twitter? Eh, okay. And he thinks he can improve it and perhaps, you know, get back to truly free speech where anything goes, where you can say what? your mind and, you know... Even hate speech, even like, is that that's well, what I was questioning today when uh, we heard that he was offered forty three billion dollars. I, mean, I guess he has forty three billion, but he offered forty three billion dollars to buy Twitter and take it private. And right. I thought to myself, he, he claims, you know, he can do more for free speech. But what exactly what more is he doing other than allowing speech that goes against Twitter violations, which there are some really horrific trolls on Twitter. So if it gets worse than that, I'm not sure it should be allowed to be aired in public. So what is he hoping for? Does he want the Proud Boys back on Twitter? Does he want Trump back on Twitter spreading misinformation? I mean, what does he want? I mean, you're entitled to free speech, but you cross the line when it's hate speech, when you're inciting violence. And, And that's... That's where I have a problem with if if that's what he wants to do. Hey, anything goes, say whatever you want, no consequences. I think a lot of people would have a problem with that. I, I'm not sure that's where he's going, what he I wants to do with the platform. Uh, maybe he just thinks it's a good investment, a good tech investment. Uh, they've had trouble making as much money as investors would like at Twitter. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. do you do uh, to make it more of a moneymaker? Um who knows? I've been thinking about this a lot today. And I also reminded myself and wanted to share with you that um, we have the power over Twitter, by the way. It's not somebody who is making us look at Twitter. We can we can dethrone Twitter as an information source or a source of misinformation or lies or hate speech by just not being on Twitter. The public People made Twitter as popular as it is, and we can undo that as well. So if people don't like the idea of Elon Musk owning Twitter or there being hate speech on Twitter, which I certainly would not like, we can just get off Twitter. You know, there's lots of other sources of information. I mean, that is truly capitalism at its, at its best. That's how it should function. If we don't like something, we just don't have to buy in. We don't have to use it. You know how many people have unfacebooked themselves, have gotten off Facebook? I mean, I, I'm still on, but I don't look at it that much. I look at it for some of my leukemia support groups, but I don't look at it that much. And it has taken some of the power away from Facebook. And we can do that if we don't like it with any social media. It can be TikTok or or Snapchat or Instagram. Whatever you don't like, you don't have to be on. So I want people to understand their power, their role in this. We can unsubscribe if we choose. 75% of Americans are not on Twitter. Okay? The vast majority of us are not. Yeah. So uh, when we come back... The implications, what would happen if NATO actually got sucked into a shooting war with Russia over Ukraine? We're going to talk to one expert who's done war games, and the results are not very encouraging when we come back on CCO. Happy Thursday, Paul and Jordana and DJ. Thank you for joining us today. It's been 50 days since Russia invaded Ukraine. In the latest blow against Moscow... Ukraine claims that one of the uh, Russian Navy's most important warships, the Moskva, 
has been hit by cruise missiles fired from Ukraine. Russia is just saying it caught on fire and that it's still afloat. By the way, this was the warship that called on Ukrainian soldiers stationed on Snake Island in the Black Sea to surrender in a standoff in a widely circulated recording. You may have heard the soldiers respond, Russian warship, go bleep yourself. Mm-hmm. And now apparently... Uh, this warship is either on fire or possibly at the bottom of the Black Sea. We're, we're not exactly sure. But um, what we wanted to do was to reach out to an expert about where this all may be going. And uh, Harry Kazianis is that expert at the Center for the National Interest. He is the senior director, military expert, who has modeled war games, simulations between Russia and NATO, in the past, and I wanted to uh, invite him on to get his input into what I perceive to be a very slippery slope if NATO gets sucked into a, a shooting war in Ukraine. Harry, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Good to be with you. What what did uh, these war games show you? I, you? You state that, and I want to emphasize this, that if a war between NATO and Moscow were to break out, nuclear war is nearly impossible to avoid. I, I found that terrifying. And, and can you just provide a little more detail on that assessment? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've been doing these war games now for about five or six years. And I'll be honest, we did them almost as an academic exercise, because to be honest with you, we never thought that a, a war between NATO and Russia could potentially break out. But we always thought it was important to do the research, do it anyway, just in case that possibility happened. And what we always found is that when that kinetic contact happened, and usually it would happen because of an accident, an accidental missile strike or, you know, another war in Eastern Europe creating the possibility of that that NATO-Russia war actually breaking out. What ends up happening was is that, that, that Putin does not have the capability to beat NATO in a conventional sense. In other words, not using nuclear weapons or chemical weapons or something like that. So what always happens in every scenario we fight, the Russians are forced to use what are called tactical nuclear weapons. In other words, smaller weapons that were used in Hiroshima. And every single time, millions or billions of people die in the process. Harry, it's Jordana. Can you explain to us, and forgive my naivete, but describe how you walk through a war game. How do you do a war game? How do you come to the conclusion? That's a great question, Jordana. We've, we've done a number of different ways. We've done them old school on a big tabletop in, 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 in offices in D.C. and also out in California. We've done them on computers and not very fancy computers either, like home-based computers that you'd buy at like Best Buy or, or anywhere. And, and basically, we would model the, the software based on you know, what different type of simulation we want to run. And we always get experts who have either been a policymaker or been close to policymakers or maybe have like a, a PhD in Russian studies or something like that. And we try to use people who have really good knowledge of you know, what might be in Vladimir Putin's head or at the time what might have been in Donald Trump's head to try to mimic what their reactions would be. And it's it honestly it gets really scary because you end up getting the situations where you try to play this person and what they would do. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's difficult to be accurate. But the thing that we've always bumped into is anytime NATO and Russia got into a war, it always ended up being millions of people would die because the Russians would always try to compensate for those problems in its conventional military and having to use nuclear weapons. And we're seeing that today, that the Russian military can't even beat Ukraine. And when everybody thought that they would just walk right through that country.
Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, we're talking with uh, Harry Kazianis, and he is the uh, senior director at the Center for the National Interest. So what do you tell friends, colleagues, over a beer, over a glass of wine when they ask you, what's the off-ramp? How do you think this is going to proceed? I mean, how long can NATO and the United States keep funneling hundreds of millions of dollars worth of arms to Ukraine to do the fighting on the front line? And doesn't Putin have a kind of a vested interest in drawing NATO into this battle to score points, popularity points with the public, the Russian public at home? Well, the next few weeks are going to be very different than the last few weeks that preceded it. We are moving into a phase now in this Donbass or eastern Ukraine region where it's very different terrain that was fought over over the last few few weeks, like in Kharkiv and Kiev. These are very flat, farm-like sort of rolling plains. Think of prairies almost, basically. And that's going to lend itself to big advantages for Vladimir Putin because he's going to deploy his tanks, his armor, the stuff that he's been training on and building up for the last 20 years to really make the Russian military shine. Unfortunately, the Ukrainians do not have a lot of armor or advanced weapons to counter that. They've been doing really well in fighting in urban scenarios. You know, that is what one place where they really shine and where the United States actually helped train them. But now the Ukrainians are having to go into a situation where Vladimir Putin has the advantage. So we're going to give them a lot of anti-tank weapons and different defensive tools that will help them try to sort of blunt this advantage. But I think we're heading into a situation now where you might see the Russians start to gain a little bit more of the upper hand. Ukrainians are then going to start asking for more advanced weapons. And you can see that. We're actually going to be sending you Ukrainians for the first time artillery. We're starting to send them tanks from other countries. So this, this war is starting to, to grind down into a level of attrition that it's really getting to a level that we haven't seen in Europe since World War II. And again, I know predicting the future is hard, um, probably impossible in this case. But when you look into your crystal ball, could it be that, um, you know, eventually this leads to the annexation of much of eastern Ukraine and there's some sort of a DMZ and the western part of Ukraine stays free and democratic and that we have kind of a new Cold War centered on Ukraine going forward? I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's exactly where this heads. I mean, the Russians are very good at fighting conflicts, not always winning but carving out a piece of territory and then having what everybody calls a frozen conflict. In other words, a conflict that might not be a, a full-blown war, but having very clear lines where artillery fires exchange, sniper fire, that's what's happened in Georgia, in Transnistia, in, in, around Ukraine, in, in, in where the Donbass is. The Russians love these little low-simmering conflicts where they, they're able to take little slices of territory that are important to them, but not have it be an all-out war. I think that's exactly where this is headed. And I think you're right. I think you will see essentially a Cold War between NATO and Russia where both sides are armed to the teeth and, you know, another potential powder keg could explode at any time. And that's, that's what makes this dangerous because it'll be a pressure point in Europe, an ulcer, if you will, that's never going to go away. And that's what makes it even more dangerous. Harry, just yeah. one last question. What does this mean for Americans? What do we need to know? I mean, do we play a role at all? And can we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, there's a great debate that's happening in the country right now on 
what should actually our foreign policy be? I mean, you have conservatives who are actually fighting this battle now. You know, you had a lot of people, you know, conservatives like Donald Trump who said, you know, America should put its interests first. And a lot of people called him an isolationist. And I don't think that was very true. And in Democrats, you, you see the same exact debate happening. You know, where should America put its dollars? I mean, let's face it, the country's $30 trillion in debt right now. It's very difficult to argue to spend even more money on defense. And this year alone, if, if the budget's passed, we're going to spend $800 billion on defense. That's actually more in inflation-adjusted dollars than we spent during the Cold War. So I think if there's one good thing out of this, we're going to have a very vigorous debate on foreign policy and, and what we should actually be doing around the world. I think it's about time we do that. Okay. Uh, national security expert Harry Kaziana, Center for National Interests. We sure appreciate your perspective. Thanks for joining us today on CCO. Thanks, be well, Harry. and we'll be in touch. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Harry. I mean, it's troubling, but I guess we have to face this new reality that I guess Russia is going to play a larger role in Ukraine, or they're going to get some piece of it at some point. But again, for me, the the big takeaway, Jor, is that I mean, look look at the problems they're having with Ukraine. NATO would crush a, a conventional Russian force, you know, with 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 our air superiority mm-hmm. and all of the uh, capabilities that the thirty countries in NATO bring to the table. It wouldn't even be a contest. So again, Kazianis Harry just basically said that. At some point, all these war games, Putin has no choice but to use tactical nuclear weapons because he can't he can't win in a conventional war with conventional munitions. He would have to resort to tactical nukes, and then then everything's off the table. You know where where that yeah, could that's lead. Terrifying. So that's trying terrifying. to avoid that scenario. Okay. All right. Let's take a deep breath and take a quick break. <laughs> and when we get back, yeah. we'll talk technology. What is your algorithm feeding you that you may not want to see? That's next on CCO. 70s late next week, a shot at 80, maybe the weekend of April 23rd, 24th. Please let that be true. Let the European verify, please, just this once. I'm anxious to get out and enjoy my yard. I'll bet you are too. And thank goodness for ProTurf. They've been around 40 years in the Twin Cities with the experts to turn all your landscape daydreams into a reality, and they hate weeds just as much as you do. And by the way, they use scientifically proven products, liquid and granular, for amazing weed control and prevention. They have their own staff of designers. You got some ideas, stuff you want to do in your backyard? If you do it right, investing in your yard can yield up to a 100% return on investment when you go to sell your place. They also have amazing irrigation service techs with 15 years experience who can work on any sprinkler system. See the ProTurf difference, commercial or residential. Call them. ProTurf's number is 952-469-8680. See their work online, professionalturf.com. So catchy. So good. Mm, Makes you want to get up and dance and get off your phone or get off your social media and do something fun. But alas, my friends. uh... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. 
You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Uh, we do look at social media. Many of us, some, some don't. As Paul mentioned earlier in the show, 75% of Americans claim they are not on Twitter. I think some of them are lying, Paul, but whatever. That was a recent poll. And we know, we know the algorithm feeds us stuff. We know the YouTube algorithm. Its job is to keep us there as long as possible. We know that the kids on TikTok are being fed what they have already looked at, what it knows that they have liked. We get it. But we didn't realize how, well, I, I'll speak for myself, I didn't know that artificial intelligence and algorithms can be biased. Hmm. Joining us now is Grant Reavy. He's the Executive Fellow for the Business in a Digital World at Opus College of Business at the University of St. Thomas. He's also a Chief Technology Officer for Vibrant Emotional Health. That's a nonprofit that supports the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Grant Reavy is joining us now. Welcome to the show, Grant. Thank you. So explain how an algorithm can be biased or racist or in any way have, I guess, kind of an opinion. Absolutely. Uh, algorithms primarily learn the same way humans do through experience and data. And so the way any human would encounter bias from exposure to the environment or people around them, algorithms learn the same way. Essentially, these systems are all trained on historical data. And that data all contains bias of the past, the ways that we've behaved in the past, the things that we've decided in the past. And so any algorithm is going to contain that because all they effectively do is reproduce past patterns unless we tell them to do otherwise. Interesting. Grant, well, wait, this is does Paul. that mean that, well, hold on, oh, Paul, sorry. does that mean that they're not really biased or because they're just regurgitating what we told them that we like? So, in fact, if it's sending you racist comment, that means because you're telling it you're racist and you like that kind of content? Well, they reinforce the pattern. So it's not like as you express it here, but if. Uh, let's say in the case of Facebook, a racist comment uh, gets lots of attention. The algorithm in Facebook that brings new things to your attention on your homepage is going to bring you more racist comments because it knows I there see. is a likelihood for that to get more attention. I see. Okay, got it. Thank you. So, so Grant, the platforms basically reward um, anger, 
right? Emotional, visceral reactions. What's going to keep you engaged on Twitter or any platform? Uh, chances are it's going to be something that makes you angry. You know, kitten videos, maybe, but most people stay longer because they're upset, they're angry, and that's what keeps them going. And, and frankly, that's how the platforms make money if they're ad-supported, right? The more the angrier you are and the longer you stay on Twitter, the more ads you're going to see or promoted posts. And so my question to you is, when it comes to engagement, is this a function of bias from the developers who created these programs? Or is it purely past behavior, past actions, predicting the future and how you might engage down the road? Well, that's a that's a complicated set of questions. So but let, let's let's break it apart a little bit. So, in part, bias is looking at past situations and and predicting what is likely to get you engaged. That that's one piece here. So, if we see something, be it a racist comment or something that's likely to make you angry, that causes more engagement, then the algorithm is incented essentially to reproduce that. Now, what causes people to engage and stay present is actually a, a different function, right? Uh, and I'm not particularly an expert in that domain, but we do know from what we see in social media now is that generating a strong emotional action, reaction, predominantly anger, causes people to stay on those platforms more. And that's true in the case of Facebook and Twitter, more so than it is in the case of something like YouTube, uh, uh, which is designed to keep get you into topics where you sit there and watch, you're mildly entertained, uh, enough to keep clicking on the next video on the playlist. Right. So a little bit different in terms of, of uh, bias versus what causes people to be, let's say, addicted to the content that they're being shown. What you you guys studied this at University of St. Thomas. What should business leaders and CEOs and even, you know, personal users know about this research? Can we stop it? Can we change it? And and now that we have this knowledge, what do we do with it? Yeah, absolutely. So so there's a lot of talk about AI in business right now. Um, and some of it is negative in the case of social media, and some of it is uh, very positive uh, uh, in the case of sports or maybe other applications like that. I think the first question from a business lens is to ask, you know, why am I getting these results? So there's a famous example where Amazon had built a, an AI algorithm uh, for hiring, reviewing candidates. And the result of that algorithm was that all of the candidates rated most likely to be successful were all white cisgender men. And that's because historically, the candidates who are most successful in the organization were white cisgender men. The question we should ask around why am I getting these results is, do these results reflect the intention for my organization? And if we ask that question and we see the results, we can actually go back and treat the algorithm di differently. We can ask it to exclude gender or race uh, or other self-identities as a construct from the algorithm. So that's one thing that we can do. Just ask, why am I getting these results? Are the ones that they want? From a personal perspective, when we look at what we're getting algorithmically from social media, if you're not seeing things that 
make you think a little bit, if you're not seeing things that make you a little bit uncomfortable, and I'm not talking about anger, I'm talking about different viewpoints here, you're likely caught within a bubble of confirmation bias in your social media, and you should step back from it and go seek out other conflicting sources of information, which is really hard to do. We're so inundated with things that are um, subject to our own confirmation bias that feel good to us. We've some, in some way forgotten how to deal with a little bit of friction with another viewpoint and how to engage with it and think about why might the other person feel that way or think that way. Yeah. You mean, wait, you, you, you mean we should actually change our minds from time to time? You touched on something, Grant, that I think you nailed it. Most Americans don't want to be informed. They want their own current beliefs confirmed. And that's they're looking for, quote unquote, information that confirms what they already believe, as opposed to, oh, there are new data points. Maybe I should consider changing my mind. You talked about this, you know, inoculating ourselves as consumers of information, uh, cast a wider net, right? And and I think that's tremendous advice. And uh, I sure appreciate the work that you're doing and your team at the University of St. Thomas. Grant Reavy, thank you so much. Thank you. That's that interesting. Was, uh, I mean, that's, that you was. know, I mean, that's great advice. We know we should be doing that, and now it's confirmed that there is research on this. But it's interesting how businesses can use it, because I'm sure businesses use technology lots during their job searches. And I hope they are aware of this research, and I hope they are casting wider nets or just adding in that human factor of, okay, this is what the computer says, the computer spit out based on research, but... You know, is that who we want to be in the future? Is that what we want to look like? Do we want different voices at the table? Or do we want to just go with what we've been doing forever? Or do you want everything you did in the past to dictate your future? Well, you know, right. Paul did right. this, and he ordered this, and he right. went here, and he went there. And you that becomes the template going forward. That's the, the best guess for what Paul will do tomorrow, what he mm-hmm. did yesterday. That's right. And, you know, I get that, but that's that's the limits of artificial intelligence and computers are good. Hope I don't Too live long enough where they're smarter than we are. They're getting there. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay. We'll we'll be right back on CCO. It's been a tough week for uh, President Joe Biden. First, uh, we learned that inflation is at a new 40-year high. Then, when he went out to Iowa to talk about ways to lower gas prices to try to help He was upstaged by his lapel because during the speech, a bird appeared to poop on Joe Biden. Look, folks, this is the kind of story late night was made for. In fact, Steve Allen started The Tonight Show in the 1950s to talk about a pelican guano bombing Ike. So covering this recent incident is the late show's duty. Well, it's the bird's duty, but it's our responsibility. Here's... Way ahead of me. We're way ahead of you. And that bird is now the Republican frontrunner in 2024. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I watched it. I don't know if you got to see it, but I watched it. And the president is speaking, and literally a piece of just, it's white and creamy, and it falls right on his lapel. And it breaks, like it hits him like a bird poop would on your windshield. But they claim 
they were in one of the reporters tweeted out because uh, I still am on Twitter. I'm one of the 25 percent of Americans um, that it was in like a corn processing plant. And there were these bits. David's nodding. I don't know if you've ever been in a corn processing plant. I certainly have it. But this like bits of corn yeah. juice or whatever, like falls down from the ceiling every now and then or like spits out of some of the pipes and whatnot. So it was basically falling on all their heads the whole time. So they claim it was corn juice or something. No, I'm going to go with the bird theory. But I want to know, where was the Secret Service? Why didn't a Secret Service right? agent lunge to protect President Biden? I mean, that. Oh, where God. were they? They're not that good, my friend. And I think he's on his own with bird poop, right? They don't get paid enough for bird poop. Bullets, maybe, but not bird poop. Have you been pooped on ever? Just asking for a friend. Um, I'm sure I have. A well, from a bird. Yes. I'm sure yeah. I have. Have you? Yeah, I guess and a child, kids, yeah. right? You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> this is a fun conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. Off the rails as usual. Uh, we will have some good news. Laura's good news is jo uh, she's going to join us at 4.08, Todd Walker at 4.20. But the news is next on CCO. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTMobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.